everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of Dungeons & Diapers, the second annual uh, uh, episode of The Daddies. I was trying to say, I, I guess because there's a duh in there, I can't say the uh, the second annual Daddies, but it is the second annual Daddies. Welcome. I think it's time that we uh, we gather around the microphone and, and, and crack our, our Pepsi Max here just a second. There it is. Okay. Crofton already has his out of the freezer. Mm -hmm. He set a timer. Just have the, uh, this is the second episode I've started with drinking um, something. Mm. You've got a, you've got a problem, Ryan. No, I think it's just, it's a theme. It's not a problem. It's a theme. If there's one thing my years of podcasting have taught me is that people love slurping. No, they don't. They really don't. But um, we won't do that. That that was just uh, that was just a start to this thing here. You know what? It's the daddies. Welcome to the daddies. It's a, it's a special episode where we talk about our favorite things and stuff and all the great things that happened in the past year. And we celebrate it by uh, drinking the non-official beverage of choice on this show, which is a Pepsi Max, sometimes chilled in the fridge like a normal person, sometimes hastily thrown into a freezer 15 minutes before starting a podcast. You can guess who did which um mine's from yeah. the freezer <laughs> and now speaking of which crofton thank you so much for for joining me on uh this episode of the daddies hey no worries ryan i love this episode every year i look forward to it by which i mean every two years because this is the second annual daddies dungeons and diaper awards the the held in so high regard by our peers in the podcasting community, as well as the dozens of Dungeons and Diapers fans uh, out there. So uh, I'm looking forward to revealing what the nominees are, as well as the winners are. And Ryan, uh, last year, if you recall, I believe I surprised you with the categories. I feel like that's the, you know, I'm, I'm not 100% sure on that. But either way, this year you've had time to think about it. I know I've taken my responsibilities very seriously. I've gone over all the shows, all the movies, all the games that I re recommended or mentioned in the past year. Um, because, you know, January, February, March, that's a long time ago, Ryan. I can't remember. So I had to go back and look. And, uh, yeah, I surprised myself. Some things that I thought were going to be easy choices I, I were recency bias, Ryan. I look back and was like, oh, man. I've got some hard choices to make here. Yeah, yeah. Um, our first daddies was sort of a Ryan's all prep for the show, and Crofton comes on and is like, "Hey, we should do an award show." And I'm like, "Yeah, that sounds great." And I think we, like you said, blindly. Well, I blindly uh, chose the winners for my category, which meant Crofton went first on a, on a lot of those. Um, so, uh, but I think I, I caught on pretty quick as to the trajectory that he was taking, but. You know, we, we do have some categories, some that we've brought forward from the first daddies. We, we've created a couple of new categories. We've refined a few categories. Um, but as always, we'll start in the dungeon sort of themed awards, starting with the favorite new movie of the year. And Crofton, I'm curious, what is your favorite new movie of the year? Because this was a tough one for me, and I feel like my pick is not as strong as it could have been in previous years. So go ahead. So, Ryan, 
I need to, before giving out this award, I need to discuss this category. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, for the first, just before you discuss the category, I want to explain that you chose them and probably shouldn't complain too much about them, but go ahead. That's fair. Okay. So I thought about this, and this is this is for true. Um, like, I was thinking about it. Uh, I'm pretty convinced this is 100% accurate. I have not seen a movie this year that was released this year. Oh. Um, and uh, I was thinking about it. I was like, there's a couple that I, I do want to see, but I, I didn't see Doctor Strange or any of the Marvel movies, Thor or um, Black Panther. I did not see uh, – um, what is it? Every every I want to see everything everywhere all at once. I have not seen it. I realized just like my wife and I made a conscious effort. We watched a lot, quite a few TV shows. That was where we put our efforts and, and movies. So and uh, video games. So it just left movies kind of out in the cold, like committing to a two two hour two and a half hour thing. I ended up watching a lot of kids movies, some that I hadn't seen before. Uh, and, uh, but I, I was, and so, so I saw them for the first time, but none of them were released this year. Like even the kids movies that were released this year, like that, that one Pixar, uh, Pixar one or the strange journey one that, or that I, I haven't, I have not seen. So because of that, I have no nominees or winner for the best movie I've seen this year, but I do have a selection for best movie I saw that did not come from this year. I don't know if if we can if the jury would allow it. Well, I mean, uh, there is a category for best old movie, but you know what? Um, if you if you, go ahead, let, you know what? There's no rules here. I mean, there are some rules. The rules being that you should probably try to stick to the categories that you set up a year yeah. ago. But you know, um, I'll make an exception this one time. <laughs> yeah, fair. Fair. So the nominees are for, for best movie that Crofton saw this year, uh, Big Hero Six. Okay. Uh, Coraline. Oh. And Raya and the Last Dragon. Was those are that was this what? year? Was it not? My my brain is no. probably no no. It, wasn't. it was last year. It was okay. last year movie. I saw it this year though. Uh, those are those are like again. I watched a ton of Disney movies this year. I had seen them all before, um, and my kids. It was the first time they watched them. It was really great watching them. These are three movies that I mentioned on the podcast. I saw this year, um, and this is like this is the struggle, you know, when when you have these nominees and it's going to be the thing. In all my words, it's like there's the one I kind of enjoyed the most. But then there's the one that I think is the best, and they're not necessarily always the same. But I, in this category, I'm going to go with the one I think is the best, which is Coraline. So Coraline is winning the award, and I best movie Crofton saw this year, even though it was from this year. And I just want to say that it is um, very unique, uh, similar styling as the previous, the director's previous film, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. But really, the fact that it's like a horror movie for children uh, is just so revelatory and that it works on the levels that it works. I was legit creeped out by it as an adult, but also recognized that it was appropriate for kids. 
it's it's such an interesting film and uh i had completely missed it and i know for a lot of you i told the student at my work about it she's like i remember that movie from when i was a kid i was like thanks a lot student this movie doesn't seem that old but uh bottom line Coraline was the one um that i enjoyed the most or thought was the best movie that i saw this year ryan what was the best movie you saw this year and i would point last year's um because one of my nominees for this year was Spider-Man No Way Home, which I, I actually saw this year. Um, I considered it, but I didn't even put it up in in, in the nominees. Um, it kind of just slipped, slipped my mind. I'm just remembering it now when thinking about last year. Uh, but I wouldn't have had it win. Like Coraline would have beat it. Um, but Spider, Spider-Man No Way Home was your movie of last year. And my movie of last year was Mitchells and the Machines. I've clearly become a dad who only watches children's movies. Ryan, what is your the best movie that Ryan Murphy saw this year? The Daddy nominees are. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, I did not anticipate needing to have nominees, uh, but uh, you know, I did. I did uh, for some of these have have multiple uh, selections. So here. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. So the nominees are, for Ryan's favorite new movie, is uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which again would probably, you know, uh, make you think, oh, wow, this we're going to have another uh, dad-focused new movie of the year, or kid-focused. Kid um, the next one is The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which uh, I'm pretty sure came out. Yeah, I did. I did Google it, and it did come out this year. And uh, Multiverse of Madness, Doctor Strange. Well, Ryan, I give you credit. Those are three movies that you mentioned on the show before that all came out this year. So you are living the category. Keep going. I know. And, um, you know, I I do I don't watch a lot of movies. And honestly, when I sat down to work on this this category, I think these are the three movies that really pop into my mind when I think of movies that I watched this year. There's there's not many others. Um, but the winner is is going to have to go to Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness for a couple reasons. One, I'm a huge Marvel MCU fan, and, I, and I've continued to enjoy the MCU. I, I've, I'm, I'm all caught up. Uh, I've watched all of it, <clears throat> you know, so uh, it's it, that's like a part time job right there. And um, the experience that I had going to the theaters this is the only movie I saw in theaters this year, and it was basically one of those. I need a I need some time for myself and I'm going to treat oh, myself. Oh, I remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Treat yourself day. I did. I I literally like walked into the house. I said to Ashley like, uh, when you're done work, come pick me up at the theater. I'm going to see the new Marvel movie because because I can. I'm an adult. Uh, I took the afternoon. I think Stop I judging day. me, Ashley. Get <laughs> off my back. I just want to see the movie, all right? Look, I want to know who who makes up the uh, the Illuminati in the film, okay? And I don't want it spoiled by blurry images on Twitter. Got it? Um, and uh, that's when she said, "Yeah, sure, don't worry about it," because uh, she understood. She understood. Uh, and and this is the thing: she realized that you were entering the multiverse of madness. She's like, "Get out of here, Ryan!" Yeah, before before you delve any further and and have a. A third eye uh, sprout from your forehead, which is a uh, it's a plot point. Um, but yeah, like I I really enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed uh, going to the theaters and just basically having a 
big bag of popcorn all to myself and um, not having to, you know, I, actually that's not true. I did see Sonic the Hedgehog 2 in theaters as well with the kids. And that was a completely different experience in the sense that I, I spent most of it handing out snacks every 15 minutes so that the kids would sit still. Um, I don't, I don't know. Like I, like I feel like next this time next year we'll be having the same conversation, but it'll be for the Mario movie. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I gave it to actually, strange. you know what? I'm going to give the daddy for 2023 right now. <laughs> Crofton's best movie he saw in 2023 goes to the Super Mario movie. Congratulations. Wow. And I got to say. future awards now too, eh? I, I got to say, like, taking my kids to the movie together. Like, Claire had never seen a movie in theaters. It was her first time. We had a really good time. She's been asking about it all the time. She built anticipation. We loved it, had a really great time. So thank you, Mario Movie. You know, people talked a lot about Chris Pratt's voice. It ended up being pretty good. I think it was much ado about nothing. So yeah, congratulations, Mario Movie. I might not give out the award next year because I gave it out this year. Um, But, you know, uh, who knows? Something could come along and surprise me. But right now it's trending towards Mario Movie winning next year. Let's let's move out of the movies, Ryan. It makes me a bit depressed. And when my wife and I were talking about these categories earlier, I was like, man, we really need to watch more movies. Because movies was something that particularly when we got together and we were dating, uh, and this is going back quite a while, but there the summer of 1999, Ryan, um, was uh, my wife and I saw literally every movie in theater. Like we would always – you know, go out to the movies and it was a great summer for movies. There were a lot of like the six cents, Blair Witch Project, South Park, Bigger, Longer and Uncut, uh, you know, uh, the Runaway Bride, the Matrix, um, Star Wars Episode One, like all of those came out the same summer. We saw like, you know, every, every single one of them. We used to be movie people. Even when we were in Montreal, we lived there for years before kids we were movie people and we just sort of like did a check and we're like shit we don't watch movies anymore and i think there's multiple reasons for that including obviously children uh but the i think the main reason is actually the the rise of quality tv so i think that that segs well into our next series of awards ryan which have to do with a best television show you saw this year do you want to go first? I went first on the last one. Sure. Yeah, I'll go first. Uh, you know, this was um, this was another tough one because uh, if for the opposite reason, as you explained, watch a lot of TV. Um, there's just so much good content uh, to the to the point where some of that good content um, has kind of fallen to the wayside. Like some shows, like uh, uh, The Orville, had a new season come out this year that I haven't had a chance to watch with Ashley yet. Um, Andor still haven't watched Andor. I'm getting I'm going to get flack probably from Crofton when he just discusses his nominations if he's not adding Andor to uh, to that list right now and and, and is going to play it off as if it was always there. Um, You son of a bitch, Ryan. I can't (laughs) believe you didn't watch it. I know. All right. Keep going. I was getting I was getting grief uh, in the TGI discord as well. And and I I will watch it. And I I will say, like when I said I was fully caught up on the MCU, um, I am not fully caught up on Star Wars now. Andor and uh, I don't include the animated stuff, which I know uh, it's 
it's not my i have not watched the anime any of the animated star wars stuff but i'm getting off i'm getting off track here i have not watched andor there's no defense uh even if i try to throw every everything else star wars under the bus um i did watch obi-wan though i really like that but that wasn't nominated the nominees are it wasn't nominated, but it was this year, so it it, it wasn't really good because it didn't make the nominations. I, I it it did not come. You to heard mind. it here, Ryan shitting on Obi Wan. All right, I, go I ahead with the it. real good. It shows. was all right. It did not it did not get nominated because I did not know we were doing nominations. I just had detailed notes and then bolded the one I I wanted to actually talk about. But here Ryan, are the nominations. You got to be on your quick on your feet. Obi Wan well, is now the- under the bus. <laughs> all right. Next, next year, next year, go to Look, your nominees. I love Ewan McGregor. He's awesome. Anyways, the nominees are, uh, speaking of the MCU, She-Hulk. I really enjoyed She-Hulk. Uh, Reboot, which was a, um, I, I think one that was recent, recently uh, talked about on the show and is on Disney Plus or uh, Star here in, in Canada and Hulu in the States. Uh, but uh, the final nomination and the winner is going to go to Yellow Jackets, which is a show that premiered, started in 2021, but ended its first season in 2022. Uh, and we technically talked about it in 2022. So, like, that might be, like, pulling a croft in there and bending the rules, but, like, I thought... No, I allow it. I allow <laughs> it. Of course you do. You're so humble. Um, I I really loved Yellow Jackets, and I think when I first brought it on the show here, it's a it's a tough show to describe without... Um, sounding like a lunatic because it is a very complex show that boils down to um, cannibal cheerleaders. Exactly. Yes, exactly. You can boil it right down to that because the first scene and the first episode showcases uh, the darkest uh, timeline uh, of what occurs while these, uh, these, these cheerleaders are, are going through when um, stuck in the Canadian wilderness. Um, And, yeah, but it's still it's such a great show. Like it's got lost, it's got lost vibes in there. It's got um, you know, uh dueling perspectives of the past versus the present. Um there are very vastly different characters across the board. Many mysteries, you know, a la lost. There's no like random polar bear that shows up, not yet anyways. But um there's just a lot going on. And it was a really good watch. Ashley and I both really enjoyed it. And as as described as Crofton described cheerleader cannibals you know like while the first episode leans into that like the it's it's the journey of of getting to that point like it's not like it's all about that but you you witness the end uh the worst part at the end of their of their time in the Canadian wilderness and um you know it's not all cannibalism leading up to that but it is it is a show that does not pull its punches it, it's 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 violent um it's it's got uh you know uh, blood and, and gore and swearing as well but um you know it's it's not it's not like it's not made for network television like lost was where they had to hold back a lot in in a situation that was pretty messed up you know uh so in yellow jackets because they're showtime they can kind of get away with you know, having these characters react uh, rationally to uh, to a really crazy situation, you know, and I think they they do a great job of of crafting the show and it's returning in uh, March 2023. Uh, season two will be back in 2023. So look forward to that. Um, 
But yeah, you can watch it now on Crave in Canada or uh, wherever you get your fine Showtime programming in other parts of the world. Yeah, that was one I didn't watch. And I, I think I didn't watch it primarily based on the fact that it was a little, you know, I don't have Crave. And yeah. So I would have to, I'd have to get another service. And I know that there's, you know, trials and different things. Uh, but it was, you know, whereas you recommended reboot and it was easily accessible. So we, we watched that also it goes down easy, easier, but reboot is on the list of shows that I watched this year, but I was thinking about it, uh, cause I made a list of all the shows and I almost forgot it. And it was one of the most recent ones I watched. I think it goes down really easy, but it's also very forgettable. Um, so, so you know, it, I I wouldn't necessarily put it up there in the nominees. I'm going to list all the shows I watched this year. Oh, brought brought to you by the letter A. There isn't that many. Brought to you by the letter A for Andor, <laughs> Arc Arcane, which is from last year and therefore not eligible. Uh, or is it A Abbott Elementary? Uh, the After Party, Only Murders in the Building, Season Two. Stranger Things season four and Big Mouth the entire series, which I I, I binged um, this year. So uh, the nominees of those are Andor, The After Party, and Only Murders in the Building season two. Those were as much as I loved. Uh, I thought Abbott Elementary was a neat discovery. I thought they nailed the last season of Stranger Things. Really got me back into Stranger Things. I really enjoyed all of Big Mouth and the way that you enjoy like The Simpsons or The Family Guy or whatever. It's just a, it's a funny, you know, funny show to watch. Uh, Only Murders in the Building still gets by on the chemistry of its leads. I would be hard pressed to tell you all the ins and outs of what happened this season. But it's really, it's still really, really worth a watch, uh, and uh, uh, I'm I'm curious about where it, it uh, lets off for season three because there is a time jump and it's starting to feel maybe a little bit more forced. So we may look back at season one and two as sort of the golden age of that show. I don't want to get too cynical about it, but definitely really good. But it wasn't new; it was known, and there's a disadvantage when a show is known um, and you know, it, it did suffer for that. So it is not the winner leaving it between the after party, which is a murder in the building. Like, if you will, it's another sort of comedic mystery. And this is like, you know, the knives out type style that is kind of maybe my favorite taste right now in terms of shows. I really, I really like that. Um, and the after party, uh, every episode was in a different style, like be it a musical, a, uh, a thriller, depending on the character telling the story at the time, very Rochamon style. So for me, the after party was really a fantastic show, but it is the runner up to the winner, which is Star Wars Andor. And I have to say, Ryan, I am absolutely one of these people that had a really low expectations for this show going in. Um, wasn't planning even on watching it after not finishing Obi-Wan and being kind of like, do I need a prequel of a character in a prequel? Um, you know, I, I was sort of done, but then the reviews started coming in and they're like, this is a different type of Star Wars. You really owe it to yourself to at least check it out and this sort of thing. 
And so my wife and I were between shows. We started in the first two episodes. I'm not going to say are immediately hooking. In fact, I would say that they, you know, Jesse still refers to them as a bit of a tough watch um, to get you in because it, it's much more grounded than anything seen from Star Wars previously. It's much, it feels like much more real in a way that is kind of less, um, you know, fantastical, but resonates more to show this sort of cold, hard boot of fascism. And I think that the whole point of the show is that it is really Star Wars for adults in a way that nothing has been previous to this show. Uh, but the Star Wars of it is almost doing it a disservice. It's really a prestige show in the same way that a Breaking Bad or a show like that would be. The difference is that I choose not to watch those shows because they're dark and they, you know, tough to deal with. There's a lot of tough content. Andor has some of that content as well, but, but because it's Star Wars, it pulled me in that way. And then I'm on and I'm like, wait a minute, this is actually a really amazing show. And it works in three episode arcs. So the th each uh, three, third episode of like the, the 12 episode season was just like a, a, a showstopper. Um, you know, there's maybe three 10 on 10 episodes in a, in a season is pretty, pretty damn impressive. I thought I was suffering from recency bias when I thought about Andor. Uh, but then I looked at my entire list and the after party, which was from earlier this year is the only one that comes close in a completely different genre. But, um, but yeah, I got, I got to, I got to give it to Andor is the best show I saw this year. And bear in mind, there's a lot of like the, 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 the hoity-toity shows people are talking about, like Severance and uh, Succession and some of those S shows that I have not seen. So, I mean, of the ones that Crofton has seen this year, Andor is the big winner. Congratulations, Andor! Yeah, great work. Andor and Yellow Jackets uh, doing great things. And here's the thing. Uh, you mentioned Severance. I completely forgot about that one. I did watch it, and I... I really enjoyed it, but uh, you're right. It's kind of in that same vein of like, this is a this is a tough show to watch. It's very engaging and intriguing, but like, it's got a lot going on. That's uh, you know, it's 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 uh, yeah. So I, I guess you'd put it in the same vein as Andor, where it's like a little bit uh, a little bit in like the Breaking Bad sort of vein, which can uh, you know, you you, you want to be in the right spot to watch that stuff. But uh, you know what? Let's move into the next category because and get to some uh, some more fun stuff, which is all fun, all fun and games, unless unless it's a year where The Last of Us comes out. Um, but hey, favorite new video game of the year? Um, I'll, look, I'll, I'm just gonna rip the bandaid off, Crofton, because uh, you had made note like, hey, when we were working on these categories, Ryan just did a game of the year episode for the Gamers In GamersInPodcast.com. You can pretty much go there and listen to like all the video games that I loved and enjoyed and other people loved and enjoyed in 2022. And I'll just say like my favorite. We get it, Ryan. You're a famous podcaster with lots of shows. Look, oh. zombie of the year. Listen to Ryan zombie podcast. <laughs> no, no, um, <clears throat> no, no. Uh, you could do that though. But what I'm going to say here is like my favorite video game of the year was uh, God of War Ragnarok. Um, Surprise. It shouldn't be a surprise. I honestly, it's it's not. It's not. No, the thing about God of War Ragnarok, and and again, I've, I've said this in a few places, uh, is that it is it is mind boggling how how Sony is able to craft these like huge 
immersive, amazing single player experiences that um, are one in their own. Like they, there's not there's not many games that come out like this. And God of War Ragnarok is a, is a prime example of like this is a company sitting down to say like let's make the most uh, you know engaging single player experience we can with top notch music, graphics, writing, design, voice acting uh cinematics uh you know storytelling and just make sure everything's as polished as possible so that you know everyone who enjoy everyone can enjoy this game you know it's got accessibility options um uh across the board it's been awarded uh many awards across uh from accessibility to sound design to music to to combat to acting um and and uh yeah it's just it is like it is like just this huge game that does not come across, uh, come very often, right? And Sony released two of them this year with Horizon Forbidden West and God of War Ragnarok. And I think like you look at what other companies have offered, you know, Nintendo has its own thing and Microsoft is kind of focused on Game Pass and third-party titles this year. And you just look at what PlayStation's been doing and it's like th- these games don't come out very often. But when they do, like they are these masterpieces that are really worth checking out when when you have a chance. So yeah, God of War Ragnarok is my pick this year. It's a good, it's a good pick. It's one of the major games that I've not played this year. I plan on playing it. I do find what's interesting about those games, and I, I wonder if we're going to look back at this period. There's like a period that began, I think, in the PS3 generation with Sony and the Uncharted. That is, you know, now now with the God of War, Spider Man, you know, there's there's the to letter lesser extent Ghost of Tsushima, which is more of an open world game. Yeah, Spider Man is too, but these 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 styles of Sony styles of game, um, I, and I wonder if they're coming to an apex. Uh, I I've seen some interesting discussion, and we talked about it in the God of War cast about God of War, uh, and um, yeah, I I it is it is interesting to me. Maybe like um, they they are these similar style games that are always going to be approachable to like somewhat of a casual audience. They often have a really strong narrative structure, a good story. Um, the I think where God of War stands out and or has stood out is with the gameplay marrying with the story. So the Last of Us and Uncharted they're fun games, but the story is really the main thing that's pulling you along where is god of war at least 2018 and i think uh, uh you, you know what you were saying ragnarok has got like a lot under the hood in terms of the way that it plays the weapons the upgrades the things that you you can do you know like it it really it is a really fun game to play beyond just being like a cool story it has both those things which i think spider-man also had yeah but 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 not not every big sony release i find has has that they lean into the story more often uh not always the gameplay right so sounds like a good pick ryan yeah yeah and i think uh like you mentioned spider-man um i think what sony has has been doing this this past year and, and likely will continue you know in years to come is taking the experience that you had on the playstation 4 and not reinventing the wheel. And this is something that I think in previous generations would have been seen as like a, a problem. But in this generation, like games are crafted in such a way from the PlayStation four generation that like picking that work up and just moving it over to the PlayStation five and refining it and expanding upon it 
without like starting from scratch is works phenomenally. Like having gone from God of War 2018 for the TGI game club straight into Ragnarok, it feels like you're playing a very similar game that is much more polished and, and has its combat refined with, you know, the stuff that didn't work taken out and, and additional move sets and, and all that. It's so in. funny. Like have, as somebody who played God of War 2018 this year, but not Ragnarok thinking about that game as more polished seems ridiculous. It just seems like it's one of the most polished games I can possibly think of. And like, but I don't doubt what you're saying. I, I truly don't. It's just, it's crazy to my mind that it's going to be more polished than God of War 2018, you know? Um, uh, look forward, look forward to playing it. So for me, uh, Ryan, my I'm my nominees are like uh, making the list, going over the the notes of the show over the year. I talk a lot about video games. It's very clear that I have a lot in this category. I've divided it into two sections: the ones that are from other years and the ones that are from this year. We talked about the award for content for other years. I'll do that separately and I'll go through the list of what those were. But I actually played a lot of games that came out this year. Um, and God of War is kind of like a big miss for me in terms of the 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 ones that 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 did come out this year. I I did miss. So these are the these are the ones, and honestly, they're all nominees. Like these are the nominees for best game craft and played this year. For the daddies, 2022. So there's Tunic, uh, which was a, a fun uh, Xbox Game Pass game that was really like a throwback to like NES games using the manual and all of that. Really cool. Switch Sports, which came out this year. And Gwen and I played the heck out of and really had some fun time. Uh, like uh, daddy-daughter time, you know, bowling, uh, volleyball, tennis, you name it. Really great. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, which I think we did for Extra Life, and I had a really fun time playing that with the guys. Super nostalgic, great game. Xenoblade Chronicles 3, the purchase of which was chronicled in detail on this podcast. I finally bought it in New Hampshire, and it became a vacation game. If we're talking about games that I put the sheer amount of time in to this year, Xenoblade Chronicles 3 definitely would be near the top of the pack. I put a ton of hours into that game. Did not finish it, despite Whirlwind's insistence that I'm almost at the end. <laughs> um, it, I, it will likely remain unfinished. But Xenobase Chronicles 3 was really fun for the duration. Had a, had a cool story, doing, doing interesting things. I liked sort of the MMO-style combat. Uh, I liked all the, the side questing and stuff. I think it was a little bit limited by the Switch's power or their lack thereof but at the same time really good game uh return to monkey island i played uh that was a nostalgic throwback for me i love monkey island um and uh, i love playing this game it really just captured everything i loved about it and and brought it to 2022 uh, elden ring which was uh a you know the big winner of a lot of game of the year awards and the first souls like game that really got its hooks into me. But I almost think calling it a souls like is doing it a disservice. It's, it's more like a breath of the wild. Like, and I think that that's what really worked on, on me. Uh, Pentiment, which I talked about on this show as a, a sort of like an art house indie from game pass. 
um, that I really enjoyed and shared a lot of thoughts of on Pentiment here. Marvel Snap, which I think that if it came out earlier in the year and I'd still been playing it to the extent that I play it now, would be strongly in consideration for my game of the year. But it's still a recent enough release that I'm not sure I'm going to stick with. But I mean, the past few months I've, I've played it a lot. It's been a big part of my life. So I I definitely have to acknowledge that. And Rogue Legacy 2, which I'm playing right now and still really enjoying. Feels like thumb candy. I'm playing it on the Switch. I, I love it. So those are the games that came out this year. They're all nominees for Crofton's Game of the Year. But there can only be one winner, Ryan. And I'm going to let you guess what it is before I reveal. I've given you the plate of options. And now I want you to tell me what my Game of the Year is. Uh, hmm. You know what? Uh, man, it, it feels like I could just guess. I think I know it's not Pentiment because I know, like, yeah, I I saw your tweets. You kind of bounced off the the third act there a little bit, but um, I finished it. You finished it, but I mean, you know, um, I don't think you necessarily need to finish a, a game to to consider it your favorite of the year, um, or even nominate it for that matter. Uh, I I'm gonna go with Elden Ring. That's my guess. And the winner is Elden Ring. Very good, Ryan. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, that that uh, I mean, honestly, um, there's you know two types of people. There's the people that just can't understand or get behind Elden Ring, or there's and then there's the ones whose hooks it gets really into. And I'm in the latter camp. Like it really, when you get into it, it does everything that Breath of the Wild does, and it's really funny because I talk. I, I've listened to other podcasts where folks are just like, oh, it was a bad year for games. And they're like, what? well, Elden Ring, Elden Ring came out this year. And people would be like, yeah, but that wasn't really for me. But yet it would be the same people who were just in love with Breath of the Wild. And it's just funny because Bo, uh, my friend, likes grim, dark art styles. And he's had Breath of the Wild and never played it. Uh, he owns it. He owns a Switch. He never touched Breath of the Wild because – in in I think he would deny this, but I know in his heart of hearts it's true. It's the cutesy art style, like Bo likes grim, dark, you know, stuff like like Elden Ring. Uh, and he played the hell out of Elden Ring. But there's a lot of people that it's the opposite, uh, and they're like, oh, I can't get behind. Like, this is like the difficulty, the look, the whatever that pe people are put off of Elden Ring. And honestly. I'm kind of like that. I, I much prefer the Breath of the Wild look to the Elden Ring look. But once you start playing the game and you get past these things, it is another one of these games where the world is your oyster. You can go out and do all these different things, except the oyster is going to try and kill you. Um, and there's just so much to explore, so much to discover, so many mysteries. And when the hooks get in, they are in good. And there's so many different ways you can play this game, so many builds that are completely different. Um, and uh, so many monsters, so many uh, areas to explore, a map that just infer unfurls in front of you. Like, it is a game that is going to be a watershed marker for the way these games are designed. It's the first game since Breath of the Wild that really took the lessons of Breath of the Wild and are like, okay, we can do something with this, and we can put our own spin on this. And, you know, I'm being 
flabbergasted that there aren't more of those. Like Horizon 2 came out. It had gotten absolutely blasted by Horizon, uh, by Breath of the Wild when it first came out. And and then like the lessons of Breath of the Wild, the climb everywhere, the not a zillion icons, the all of that stuff, it feels like, you know, it they they went their direction and they did not they did not necessarily follow that those lessons, whereas from software totally did and uh, it to their to their benefit. You know, you you go anywhere, you do anything. The world's layered on top of each other, uh, and I mean, there's things that you can criticize Elden Ring for, sure. But uh, and I would say that it's not for everyone. But like of the games I played this year, there's no game I spent more time with. Uh, it's the the most time that I spent with the game, and of the game games that I play when I look at this list I'm like which one would I go back to um and you know games like Marvel Snap do you ever really go away from but you know Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge was fun for a weekend Xenoblade Chronicles 3 was pretty fun but I probably will never go back to it you know and I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily do a re- replay of, of, of something like that whereas Elden Ring you know I I I, I feel like it's an onion that I've only peeled half a layer two, you know so anyway fantastic game uh i'm really excited for next year there's going to be so many good games i think you know if you look at all the things that were pushed but i'm kind of glad a lot of those games were pushed because i'm not sure i would have given elden ring the time if it had been, i think it was scheduled originally to be released with a bunch of other games that got pushed and had those games come out I probably I wasn't anticipating Elden Ring like some people were. I was like, oh, another From Software game, uh, you know, whatever. It was really the hype train that got me, the reviews, all of this. And then when I jumped in, I was like, oh, okay, I, I see what's going on here. This is pretty awesome. So anyway, fantastic game. And the daddy goes to Elden Ring. Well, you know what? It's interesting because I think Elden Ring could make an appearance next year because I do have it in the shrink wrap. In my office, I have not opened it yet, but I have it for next year to play at some point. Um, And that brings us to our next category, which is best old movie game or TV show of the year. Now, there is no qualifier as to what old means. I mean, in my definition, it's anything that came out previous to this year. Um, But it could be anything you watched, played or engaged with. I think... To limit it further, Ryan, sure. I really do think it's got to be the first time you you play it. Oh, because of course, if yeah. It's, or see it, like because if it's like we watch Home Alone, and that's awesome. I would give it to Home Alone every year, um, but uh, but you know I've seen it before. It's like I played God of War twenty eighteen a second time this year. Uh, I, I played it before. And it might do well in this category, but I'm eliminating it because I, you know, I, I play, I played it. It's a replay. Yeah, no, it's, it's something you played, watched or, or yeah, played or watched, um, for the first time. And and I think that's kind of where I leaned with, with my winner here, but, uh, Crofton, I I've gone first for the last couple ones. What, what is your best old movie game or TV show of the year? Well, Ryan, the nominees are sorry. Yeah. Nominees. Uh, <laughs> and, and these are, these are all the games um, and, and TV shows and movies 
Uh, Isn't it common meant- like practice to like limit the nominees to about four or five? I'm just curious if that's all right. Are you saying VR chat shouldn't be included? Because I will eliminate it. <laughs> okay, so so this is this is the uh, these are the nominees okay. uh, for TV: Arcane. For uh, movies, uh, none. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sorry. So Arcane is the only thing that gets in there uh, as a. Um, as like a, a, a not a video game the rest are video games disco elysium uh vermintide the C- uh no i'm sorry i'm gonna cut down the categories marvel's guardians of the galaxy danganronpa valheim and the sega genesis collection on switch i'm just kidding that sucks it's gone um <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, of those, I have a winner, Ryan. However, I also have a runner-up because I think that the winner, I may it may be disqualified for a couple of reasons. So, uh, of those, the winner is Valheim, uh, and the reason it would be disqualified is because. Um, looking at our notes, I was talking about it in the January episode, and I'm not convinced that I started playing it this year. I feel like I might have started playing it at the tail end of last year. Also, it's in early access, meaning it's not fully released. I'm not sure that affects its win. But if it wasn't Valheim, the runner-up would be Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, which was a really fun um, you know, solo game. That really, like, I knew that it was going to be good, but it really surprised me how how good it was, how long it was, the story, all of that. Really, really, uh, really pleasant surprise. Um, I'm not done with Disco Elysium. It, I'm very impressed at what it's doing. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily a great time. So I, I, I'm not... It, it's not going to – I think I, I'd rather give it to Marvel's Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy as a runner-up. But Valheim is the winner, and Valheim benefited from the fact of that I played – this was my hangout game with my friends over the winter months into the spring. Um, and we had a great time building a world together. The art style of Valheim is so nice. It's like uh, the lighting. The, the It's like a voxel-style art. Um you know, it's really uh, a game where you create a, a little bit of a, a mini MMO world just for you and your friends, and you can build things. You can build yourself a village. You can set out responsibilities like you go hunting. I'm gonna I'm gonna garden. You do this, and then you work together to defeat some you know epic bosses and all of all of that. Valheim's just had an addition with the Mistlands, a new area that's come out because you go from biome to biome, and we're talking about jumping back into it. I'm excited to eventually do that. I was a little burnt on it at the end because we put in, I think, like 85 to 100 hours. Like it was, a, you know, I was the one who put in the least amount of time of the group. We were all really into it. And so it runs away with the category. And honestly, I mean, if, if you combined it with the games from this year, it would even give Elden Ring a run for its money at the top. So Valheim is the best game tv show or movie not from this year that crofton played this year ryan what's yours well um i did not prepare nominees but uh, guardians of the galaxy is a great runner-up because it's one that i did purchase at the time of its release in 2021 on sale 
a mere month after it released. Uh, I wouldn't say it hit the bargain bin right after release, but uh, it's clearly there now. Um, but it is a solid game, totally worth visiting, if, especially if you feel like you have Marvel burnout, because I feel like that's that should apply less to video games. There are a lot of Marvel video games, but there are very few that are very good. Um, I think this year you had Marvel Snap as a standout. Midnight Suns is a lot of fun, too. But uh, in previous years, it was kind of dominated by Spider-Man. And I think I think Guardians of the Galaxy is a fantastic Marvel game. But Ryan's best old movie video game or TV show of the year is going to go to a video game. It's not going to surprise anybody. I love I love my video games. Um, but I, I needed to give this one the win because it is a game that is beloved by its fans. And it came out more than a year ago. Uh, it came out uh, almost five years ago. It's getting a follow up finally in 2023 and that game is hollow Knight. i had not played it before this year and it stemmed from the fact that uh we were watching the xbox conference for gamers in and uh silk song came up and i'm like oh i never played hollow Knight." and a lot of people said oh you'd love it you'd love it and i'm like well i guess i have to play it now considering there's a sequel coming out next year and uh yeah i really enjoyed hollow Knight. it was a lot a lot of fun and i ended up playing Pretty much like I, I I focused in on it and and finished it. You finished Hollow Knight? Yeah, I didn't one hundred percent it, of course. Like that's that is a, a major feat all on its own. Um, but I did uh, I did complete the story. That's great. Like I I have false started Hollow Knight a few times. Like in this false started, I've gotten like you know tens of hours into it. Uh, but then dropped for whatever reason. It's still installed on my Switch as a as a game that I could boot up at any time and keep going with. I know people that love it so much, you know. Um, and I, I liked it. I like it. I, I liked it too. It came out at the exact same time as Ori in the Blind Forest, the the and um, the first of the two Ori's. And uh, I remember I was much more into Ori when it uh, at that time, and I finished Ori in the Blind Forest. Um, but I, I haven't really played the second Ori that much. And, uh, I'm, you know, I, I feel like I'm more attracted to Hollow Knight and I know that the, the follow-up is, is coming up and I feel like it's one of those ones where I keep saying to myself, I really should play that more, but, uh, I'm glad I, I don't recall you talking about it on this show. You're probably talking about it on the gamers in. No, I did. I didn't bring it up on this show and I should have, cause I, I should have known, um, I know that you were you were a big fan of of Hollow Knight, and we did talk about it on the show when when you played it. Um, I believe it's ringing some bells, but yeah, it's just it was one of those experiences that it's very like I play a lot of video games, but it's very rare that a game will be like you are going to have to pay attention to me until you've you've finished it, until you've gotten to a point where you are um, you have completed the story at the very least, and and. You know, another video game that I had that with this year was was God of War Ragnarok. Um, but it's very it's very easy for me to really enjoy a game and kind of hit a point where I'm like, um, OK, I've 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 really uh, enjoyed this experience. There's something else out. I can feel safe putting it down and coming back to it later. I did that with Xenoblade Chronicles 3, where I, <laughs> you know, as much as Whirlwind gives you crap for being very close to the end, like I was literally hours away from the end. I was, I think, on the precipice of fighting the final boss. And I walked away because like, I kind of knew the ending was probably not going to be, um, you know, uh, I, I had the feeling it was not going to be a happy ending. So I was just like, you know what? Like, I don't, I, I don't want this game to end. I'm going <laughs> to, 
So I'm going to put it away and go do something else. That's essentially what happened with that game. And and then when I did finish it uh, just this past week, I was like, okay, now I see why I walked away because like this, I didn't want it to end. Um, but now it's done. So, but Hollow Knight, yes, I I did, could not put it down. I struggled against the combat in certain points of the game. Like it's not an easy game. Um, the combat can be a little rough. I I. I think like I I I might have bounced off of it in previous attempts if I had tried it in the past. Um, it's also a little floaty. The jumping is a little floaty. But once you get used to it and you get used to that, th- the game that they've built, it is such a cool experience. And in, like the Metroidvania of it all is you're unlocking powers and unlocking new areas. It is just so, so satisfying. So Hollow Knight is my best old game that i played this year congratulations hollow knight on your daddy it'll be in the mail but do not google it uh, Ho- hollow knight and valheim congratulations you uh managed to worm your way into 2022 <laughs> despite being released uh years years ago ryan shall we go into um some of the parenting style awards that we might have for this year well before we do that Let's take a a little, let's do something a little different. Let's take a bit of a break. Let's talk about Extra Life. This is our last episode of 2022, which means that this is the last time we get to plug Extra Life. And uh, if you want to go donate, you have until December 31st. You can go to tiny.cc slash donate eventdads. That is the link we're using because myself and Travis, listener of the show, are uh, on the Gamers In team. So you can check out the Gamers In team there. And to kind of celebrate uh, Extra Life, and this, I'll give credit to Crofton. This is Crofton's idea in terms of like having, you know, more of a special moment to, to talk about Extra Life. Uh, it's the Extra Life moment of the year. And Crofton, it's a very Dungeons and Diapers focused moment because it was when we played Sea of Thieves together, uh, not once, but twice this year for Extra Life. And, and I had a blast both times. Uh, it was, it was, it was definitely the highlight of the event for me because I, I really enjoy that game and it is a lot of fun with friends. And it's also a lot of fun when you have, uh, someone like Jocelyn there to guide you because she knows the game so well (laughs) front and back, no problems. Um, but yeah, that, that is, uh, that is my pick. And I, and I brought some clips as well. I took some time, uh, today to kind of pull some clips and Crofton, are you ready for these? I I assume you're not, but are you you getting, I, I'm not, but I just, I just, before you go sure. further, you mentioned twice, but there's three times there was the event ads and then twice with Jocelyn and Bo, right? Oh, like we, right. We, we did, we did three, uh, Sea of Thieves. I, I remember I had a really great time each time and it was funny with the event ads where we're like, you know, I don't want to say we're all noobs, but we were, we were, you know, struggling with our map trying to figure out stuff and i i was kind of trying to take a leadership role in the sense i was like hey i think this is where the dungeon is and we're all trying to figure it out and it was there was something really like natural about that's how the game unfolds this is the adventure that you're on this is trying to figure it out with jocelyn it was interesting because she's like the leader she knows the rules of the game and we're just you know sort of her crazy crew that she's trying to keep in line um and uh, there was something also super funny about that and super enjoyable so in both cases it was always a really great time but what struck me too was the donations there was like donations every time from people being like super generous 
um, uh, donating to the the Extra Life uh, campaign. So all going to sick kids. So I was just, you know, I I'm new to all of this, and so I was kind of like, are people gonna donate? You know, and yeah. uh, and and when they did, it was like super impressive. Anyway, um, I thought it was cool. Yes, and and thank you for reminding me. I did not forget the Event Dads event because uh, obviously I wouldn't have used the tiny.cc slash donate event ads if I had forgotten. Uh, I think I was I was uh, mistaken in that there was that event during our Extra Life game day, um, which was also fun, but was such a blur because it was like 12 to 15 hours of video games in a row and uh, kind of blended together. Um, but yeah, we had a lot of fun playing Sea of Thieves. Now, these clips are all from our most recent event uh, because I remember the fun stuff that happened. And uh, yeah, I've got a couple clips here. This is when uh, Crofton tries to save the boat. And all of these clips are on Twitch and I'll link them in, in the show notes. Uh, they're not, they, they are definitely visual, but I think the audio also is funny as well. I'll save you both. I don't, th unless you have a super bucket, I don't think you're going to be saving that thing. Holy shit, there's a lot of fire. I'm getting <laughs> off this boat. Let's go. So that was when I, I lit the boat on fire. And uh, you can tell we were not using our podcast mics when we played this game. Um, so there you go. Uh, I I uh, I definitely remember being. It was docked. It's completely on fire. Ryan, why was it on fire? It was on fire because someone donated. Uh, Tweep had donated and basically said, "Hey, sink the boat." <laughs> and um, look, I, I I'm I'm gonna apologize now. I felt I felt really bad like that specific moment when we sunk the boat on purpose because we did a specific thing where we. Um, we flew a specific flag for the merchant faction and we did a bunch of work to get the faction rep up and the flag upgraded. And then when the boat sank, I could hear Jocelyn kind of asking like, um, Hey, if our boat sinks, does that mean our rep resets? And yeah, it, it does. And yeah, and I was in the bathroom. I read, I came back and was like, what's going on? The boat's on fire. And so I was trying to save the boat, wondering why you were just minding your own business. And then I jump in. And of course, I catch fire and jump out uh, being like, nope, not going to save that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, save you were my, on fire. Save, you can hear it. Save my own skin instead. Um, yeah. And this is another one where uh, Crofton took the boat out um, without permission and uh, something bad happened. Put us straight, Mr. Mel. Work cooperatively with your teammate. <laughs> uh, wait, I think we're being attacked by a giant shark. Oh no, the Kraken! Oh, oh you're gonna no. Kraken! <laughs> uh, get us out oh of here, Crofton! Oh my god, that is the Kraken! Go! Anchor, go faster! This is terrible. I think Anchor's up! Drive! Use your pirate intuition or whatever. This is amazing. I don't have ammo. So yeah, we got crackened. Uh, it was all Crafton's fault. Definitely had nothing to do with me. I was just an innocent bystander on the boat. I like how you're telling me to drive the boat. Like drive <laughs> the boat. It's like it's not a car, Ryan. No, I know. I realized the mistake that I made. Um, yeah. So yeah, we, the, we took the boat out. We got cracking. I, and honestly it was, I think the only other time that we, it had been a while since I've seen a Kraken in game. 
So I was honestly really surprised that we just happened to. I've only ever seen one one time before. Like, and it was like the first time that we ever played. We had just, uh, you know, the whole thing was that uh, we were trying to turn the ship around. We had differing visions on how to pull a Yui and, uh, and Ryan threw the, the anchor down, which of course made a sitting ducks for the Kraken who came out. Uh, but uh, Bo and Jocelyn were watching from the the dock through their telescopes as we got absolutely yeah. destroyed. So did their ship, incidentally, not to be confused with the ship Ryan sent on fire. No, and yeah, so uh, and I got one more clip in, and it's very short. Is the monkey called real for often? <laughs> <laughs> yes. You just noticed that? <laughs> I did that like a month ago. That's a good payoff right there. <laughs> so, yeah, that was at Crofton's expense there a little bit, but uh, yeah. Crofton had finally As realized. opposed to the other two clips <laughs> that weren't at my expense? Okay, uh, fair bet. enough. Fair enough. That's, that, is, that is totally <laughs> true. Um, yeah, so uh, Crofton had discovered that one of the, the the pet monkey that we had on on uh, on the boat was called Real Crofton, and and, and that had been there for a month. So um, it was I had to find that. That was the original reason why I wanted to clip those out. But anyways, <laughs> um, we got it. We did it. Extra life moment of the year. And I mean, you know, I know Crofton. You you'd kind of talked about a little bit about extra life, but I, I assume do you have another moment to share, or is like is the Sea of Thieves fun kind of your. I know that was pretty much your interaction with Extra Life. We was whenever we, we played Sea of, sea of Thieves, right? So. It's funny. You do so much for Extra Life because my wife was like, you're doing some more for this thing? And I was like, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, she's like, you've done this like five times. I'm like, I think I, I think this is like my third. But it is, it is, um, it is like you were always, you know, on the game day, Bo and I just came in, joined your crew, played Sea of Thieves, I think for a couple of hours. And then we were off and you were into the next game with a different group of people. Like you were just go, 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 go. So, no, I, I would say like, you know, my, my, my moments uh, of extra life were, were, uh, we're very much uh, just sailing around with, and there's, you know, you clipped out some there, but there, each time we played, be it with Whirlwind and Travis or, or be it with Jocelyn and Bo, there was always something that had me laughing out loud. And, uh, and you know, um, also the segues into, sometimes it's really hard because you want to remind people to donate, but like sometimes like <laughs> something ridiculous has just happened or something borderline offensive. And then you've got to be like, and so think of the children. And uh, it was, it was always, it was always a good cause, but also there was a level of humor, humor there. So I enjoyed the whole thing. Good times. Yeah. Yep. Yep. For sure. We had a great time. And of course, extra life will return next year when we play even more video games for charity. And, uh, Speaking of thinking of the children, let's move into the uh, diaper-focused awards. Uh, it's, it's essentially one major award here for the diaper section, which is the best dad moment of the year. Crofton, what is your... I mean, are you doing nominees here of like, uh, you know, this isn't like a favorite kid award, is it? Like the nominees are... I think you should go first Yeah, okay. on this one. Well, the nominees are Caden. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so the best, <laughs> <laughs> the best dad moment of the year. So I, I did, I did kind of like put together a list of, um, 
you know, a couple moments over the year. And I think like there were moments where uh, like I had a, a really cool dad moment with with each kid individually, with the whole family. Um, and there was, I think, like two moments specifically that I wanted to bring up. And and one was just uh, with with me and and Isabel, the youngest, you know, um, Isabel is very attached to her mother. It's very rare that I'll get you know, quiet moments, just her and I to kind of hang out. Uh, but there was one specific moment this year in the summer when Ashley took the old, the two oldest camping and the idea was always for me to have a weekend with Izzy for us to just hang out. But it just so happened we got invited to a wedding that same weekend in Ottawa and we were like, okay, well, I'll bring Izzy and they'll go camping. And Izzy and I just had such a great time at this wedding and it was just her and I we were just hanging out the whole night and she was dancing and she got to stay up late and she was super stoked uh they had like a like a like a photo booth place and she like went up and grabbed the uh the the sort of decorations that you use for the photo booth and, and kind of like walked away with them to the dance floor which is like a typical move of someone who's like an adult just like having way too much fun like hey come on respect the photo booth but when a kid does it, it's totally cool. And I did say to the person man in the photo booth, I'm like, hey, she's going to bring, I'll make sure she brings those back, but she's going to hit the dance floor with that tiara and and uh, and a cool uh, mask on a, uh, uh, what are the masks on the sticks called? I, I can't remember, but like a, a masquerade ball type mask type thing. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah. So anyways, we, we had a great time. Uh, at that wedding but i mean i also did want to mention so that I, it didn't seem like i was picking favorites here but um you know over the summer we had a lot of stuff planned and i think like the biggest and best moment we had was was when the entire family went to the cottage we rented a cottage and it was just kind of like our home away from home like just this slice of property along some water and uh, we had a great time like the kids all got to have fun in their own specific ways, whether it was like jumping off the dock or going fishing or just swimming and just putting their feet in the water. And, and uh, yeah, it felt like we were there for, I think we were there for four or five days and and we just had a great, really great time. And that was like, those were the two moments that kind of, you know, popped up for me as like, you know, really, really memorable moments from, from the year where, where, yeah, it was a, it was a best dad moment of the year. I think that's a good one. Um, I was I was struggling with this a little bit because for the same reasons you were, but then it really came clear to me what it was. And and then I was like, oh wait, yeah, this is super easy actually. Um and uh when I was thinking of dad moments this year, I was, you know, there's a lot of milestone moments that I was proud of. Like it was Clara's first year at school and her just the way that she transitioned into from daycare to school and was just like ready to go and you know that all of that uh was gr- was great gwen had to go through so many different levels of transition uh from teacher swaps to other things and she did she did so well she was learning how to play the ukulele there's all sorts of milestones we went on a vacation earlier this year to the dominican republic and uh it was first time you know out of out of country first time on an airplane for the girls uh first time um that they swam in the ocean um and then we we did you know we did a summer vacation over driving around the the northern united states in the summer and we had a really great time then as well 
So like there's a lot of milestone stuff. But for me, the dad moment of the year for, for my family was uh, my wife um, uh, going to the hospital for trigeminal neuro- neuro- neuralgia, what we know now as trigeminal neuralgia, being hospitalized with uh, dress syndrome and these other things that I previously talked about on the podcast for well over a week and, uh, and, and me having to do everything uh, for the family at that time. And like really, you know, gaining an appreciation for single parents, gaining an appreciation for what my wife does uh, and feeling proud of myself for really getting, keeping everyone together. Cause it was, it was beyond that. I had to keep people's spirits up at home. I had to keep Jesse's spirits up at the hospital um, she was doing great there, uh, and, and the kids were doing great at home, but it was a really like stressful time. And we didn't know, I didn't know what was going to happen next. I didn't know when Jesse was going to be able to come home. Uh, and, and all of that just led to, um, to me in retrospect, when I do sort of the, the looking at my year and picking out stuff where I felt most proud of myself, but most proud of my family as well for rallying together. So that for me is my dad moment of the year. And when I thought about it, I was like, oh, it's obviously this Um, and nothing else comes close. Although, you know, I love seeing my kids hit their milestones and all of the other wonderful things that happened during the year. There was lots of fun stuff, but nothing that, that matches that Ryan. Yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense. I remember, you know, earlier in the year when when we'd have updates on how things were going and, and it was it was really it was really good of you to keep everyone informed on the show and, and to chat through it and stuff. So, yeah, it makes sense. Absolutely. That would be a, a best dad moment of the year. And um, just before moving on, I actually realized that I probably do an update, like some form of an update to the um, to the listeners. And really, the reason there hasn't been an update is because things have been pretty manageable. Uh, what's happened is my wife is on a, a medication to manage the pain and allow her to open her mouth and all of that. And it's been working. Um, and she has to take it three times a day. It's quite a lot. Uh, you know, it does have some side effects, but luckily nothing too drastic. And, you know, sometimes I'll take for granted. I'm like, wow, things are, things are like, it's 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 solved she does have breakthrough pain it's not solved we may eventually have to have explore having some level of surgery but right now it is it is sustainable and so like i just appreciate during the christmas season when she's doing all this decorating and baking and all this stuff like this is not stuff i take as much for granted anymore but for those who are curious or asking she's doing uh she's doing great and uh we're you know we're i don't want to say entirely back to normal but as close as we can get. No, that's good. I'm glad that, uh, that things are going well and, and that it, it is, it is manageable for sure. Um, but no, I was going to say, um, like, I think that, you know, you mentioned, you know, the milestones for, for your kids and stuff. And I, I think that's something that came in into my mind as well with, um, you know, you know, Abigail, uh, going into her second year, she struggled a lot starting kindergarten and, um, you know, bounce back, but still had some, some sort of adjustment issues throughout the year. But then this year was completely different in her excited to get on the bus, excited to see her friends and all that stuff. And, and with Caden specifically, we talked a lot about his kindergarten woes, uh, last year to the point where the teacher, um, earlier this year, I guess had said, you know, uh, if we don't try to sort this stuff out, he's going to struggle in grade one 
And then we were like, oh God, how's, how's grade one going to go? And he started, and he started grade one this year. And it, honestly, it's been awesome. He's been doing great. No problem prospering in grade one. And, and speaking directly with his teacher, like, I think the, the agreed upon, it, it, you know, the agreed upon reasoning for the issues in kindergarten was that he was just bored out of his mind. Um, and, you know, kindergarten is can be busy, but when you have like a lot of kids in the classroom, uh, it can be very easy to have kids um, not as not as simulated as they need to be. So like the fact that he's moved into like a structured grade one class um, has been really helpful for him to the to the point where I think he's uh, you know, every kid has their bad days and he, and he has his bad days, too, for sure. But like, I think he's he's been re- doing really well and and Abigail, too. So uh you know, school milestones are a lot of fun. It'll be really interesting to see how Isabel does in school. We will have another year to wait for that one. But uh, yeah, but prepare for some potty training stories once again uh, in the diaper section in 2023, because that is on the list of things to do. To this is do. for Isabel? Yeah, yeah. It's not for, for the other kids. They're They're good to go. And so once Isabel's... Through the dungeons and diapers will be minus diapers. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've had that conversation and and uh, about what what happens <laughs> then, but um, that's a problem for future Ryan and Crofton. Yeah, yeah, screw them. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's move into the final category, which is a bit of a grab bag uh, category. Whoa, Ryan, what? That's that's demeaning of the category. It's an empowering category, Ryan. Oh, yes. It's the Daddy's Choice Award, which I think means Ryan and Crofton get to highlight one additional thing before we move into the listener feedback section. That's right. You can give an award to anything, Ryan. You can be super cheesy and give an award to my wife for being so great. Ooh, yeah. Mm. Or you can give an award, you know, maybe there was a a game that came in second place. You're like, well, I'd like to give that an award, too. Well, now with this this category, you can throw you can give me an award for being the best host of Dungeons and Diapers. <laughs> you know, like there's always just so, so humble. There's so much possibilities. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the nominees are Crofton's wife, Crofton, or some video game that he really enjoyed and wanted to talk about again. Um, I feel like you're digging a hole with with uh, with those nominees nominations there, Crofton. So go you go first, then, Smarty. <laughs> Okay. Um, well, you know what? I didn't uh I didn't think about this one uh too hard. All right, then I'll go first. Okay, oh, you no. go first okay. then. Sure. I am giving this this uh, I'm giving this daddy award to <clears throat> the musical episode of the after party. Oh. Um so I'm picking one episode of a television show to give this award to. The after party did not win my show of the year. But the songs that were on that musical episode, which was dedicated to the character of Jasper and sung mostly by Ben Schwartz and Samuel Richardson as well, I think, in some bits. But I enjoyed that. And, like, I was thinking about how, you know, I was a bit of a a dry year for music for me. Like, I wasn't listening to a lot of different music. Uh, I could have done better on Spotify. There wasn't much music discussion on this show. Uh, but for for whatever reason, that episode stuck with me, and the music on it it was so good. And I think that like 
the show was a, a mixed bag depending on the angle they took for any particular episode. But I thought that was the most fun episode. And one of the most fun things that I saw this year, I had a big smile on my face the whole time. So I'm giving it a special acknowledgement, the the award. And I honestly, Andor's got like three as I said, 10 on 10 episodes, I could have singled out as well. I'm not doing that. I gave it to the entire show. But for the after party, I think it makes more sense to give it to this one episode. So that's what I'm using for my daddy's choice this year, Ryan. What are you going to do? Well, um, I'm going to give it to uh, my initial pick before you made both of us feel bad by saying, like, we, we probably should have nominated our significant other. Then I picked it. Then I picked one episode of his television show from earlier this year. Yeah. So, you know, whatever. It's it's fine. There's no there's uh, like I said at the top of the show, there's no rules except for like some of the rules that we set up for these categories that were obviously ignored. Um, but this one, this one really doesn't have rules. It's it is the daddy's choice award, which is a, essentially like co-host choice. Um, Who's or, your daddy, Ryan? <laughs> well, my daddy uh, this week, which we've changed now to the Who's Your Daddy Award, is I'm going to give it to the Steam Deck. Oh, good choice. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's something that, um, is something that I was, I was, so it was, it's been a year kind of story where at the start of the year, people started receiving their steam decks and the reviews were getting really positive. And I was like, okay, do I really need one? Do I really want one? And, and then a close friend of mine coast on, on another podcast, zombies in my podcast, he got one and I talked, we get it. Yes. We got other shows. Yes, I know. Um, like he talked a lot about it and, and he, he essentially convinced me. So I pre-ordered in May and then essentially it was like following and monitoring how the pre-orders worked and how orders were shipped all the way up until like October when I finally got it in my hands. And, you know, for the last couple of months, I've, I've really been putting this device through its paces, exploring, you know, some of the extra cool tinkering that you can do in desktop mode with, with, uh, you know, other launchers and EmuDeck and all that stuff, including, you know, native uh, Steam games as well. And honestly, it's just, it's a device that I'm like constantly intrigued by and constantly interested in expanding upon it uh, as the years come. So like my first reaction to a new game coming out is, is this going to be compatible with the Steam Deck? How can I get it working on the Steam Deck? You know, and I think like, purchasing video games on pc at least going forward is going to be how does this run on steam deck and i've already experienced that moment of like a big high profile launch coming and then like wondering and developers are experience, experiencing this as well in that like with marvel midnight suns they had to come out ahead of time and say like hey we're not going to launch with steam deck compatibility but it's something we're working on you know so it's like the device itself is totally worth the shout out here but like and we were talking about this pre-show it is an unst it's a bit of an unstable ecosystem in terms of like at launch for video games previous to a game coming out like some developers are really good to launch with steam deck verified or playable uh badges but other times it's it's not a done deal but for the most part the device runs a lot of great games at a very, very playable state. So, like, it is such a fun device. And honestly, Vampire Survivors alone on this thing, honestly, if you have Vampire Survivors on Steam, uh, play it here on the Steam Deck. If you don't own it, it's like five bucks. I think it's on sale uh, for the for the Steam summer uh, winter sale 
rather. Uh, Crofton, you got to get it. You got to. You'll enjoy it. So longtime listeners may note the fact that I, I am not telling Ryan to shut up or to send me his Steam Deck in the mail uh, <laughs> or, or uh, any of the things that I normally say whenever he gushes praise on the Steam Deck. Uh, there is a reason for that. I bought a Steam Deck. And not only did I buy it, I have received it. Yeah. Uh, which, which is crazy town that they have managed to solve whatever supply issues the rest of the world seemingly has with video cards and everything. To get a state where you launched a hot product earlier this year and then are able to ship it. I ordered it last Thursday. I got it yesterday. Um, sorry. Uh, data data recording is the 22nd here. So <coughs> I got it like very, very quickly. Um, uh, you know, four business days. And uh, I'm in Canada. It was shipped across the states and all of this sort of thing. I have not put it through its pace. Just like Ryan, I just got it. I just started tinkering uh, uh, with it, putting a few things on it. Um, I really think as parents, and the switch opened the floodgates for this, that there is kind of like a need for this type of thing. Like the idea that uh, the portable at home console, like we have, I have moments now where my wife and my daughter are playing Stardew Valley on the, on the switch, on the TV. Um, and then upstairs, uh, like I'm with Clara and she's having a moment where she's like, I just want to play my tablet game. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, wow, I also play Marvel snap on my phone or whatever. And I, and I enjoy that, but like there are little moments that I feel that the steam deck may be well suited for. I'm not quite sure yet. It's bigger than I thought it was, um, you know, uh, figuring out how it's going to fit in my house, how it's going to work. But I am glad to hear you, Ryan, because Ryan, you're a man of many consoles. You've got lots of devices. You got your PS5s and your Xboxes and whatever that you have all these things, but you still use this device makes me optimistic that I'm also going to get good use out of it. So I'm looking forward to to trying it a lot more next year. Yeah. And you know what? It is uh, very much worth mentioning again, like the fact that our show is an every other week show every two weeks Um, between our last episode of you begging me to send uh, you my Steam Deck via the mail to now you've purchased and received that Steam Deck and have started to set it up like it's. And it was like a week after that show that I yeah. ordered it. Because you you had messaged me. I can't remember what I was doing at the time. Yeah. You were like messaging me, like, which one do I buy? Which one do I buy? And I think you made the right call um, on your own. And You bought the high-end one, right? Was it? I did. And, and like there's three versions. Uh, one, uh, two that have – the big difference really, like there's small cosmetic differences with – cases and screens and whatever very small but the real core is the the memory um and like uh two of them have like you know quicker ssd speed you know cards and one of them is a, a bit of a slower memory and the one with the slower memory is the smallest quantity of memory as well i felt like that was a no-brainer not to get but of the two others i'm almost i'm not sure like i bought the highest end one but i i almost feel i should have gone with the middle of the road one right and i'll tell you why um i the remote play feature um seem which is something that i'm gonna have to explore a bit but i i'd heard about but never given too much thought to but like you know i have these two terabyte ssd hard drives on this desktop that i can now fill with games and potentially play 
um, them through the Steam Deck with remote play anywhere in the house because most of the time I will be in the house uh, playing it. And it makes me realize I don't need to install everything onto the the deck itself. And so I, I will be exploring that feature and I'll get back to you on, on, on how well it works. I know I have inherent biases against like that sort of streaming like Stadia and all of that, but I truly do think that this is um, that, that especially for some of the types of games I play that there's really no problem with it, you know? Yeah, no, the, uh, the remote plays, it's very good. I really enjoy it. So uh, I think you'll, you'll dig that as well. And uh, yeah, your computer will not go to waste and or be used only every other week as we continue Dungeons and Diapers into 2023. Um, Here's the deal, folks. We have one more listener feedback for the year. I wanted to read this here. I know this is the daddies, but uh, it is a holiday related email. So I figured this was the perfect time to read this one. And this is an email from Derek. Hey guys, Derek here. It's been a while with some comments about the last episode that came up for me. I'm very behind, so hopefully it's timely. It is. The holidays are still here. My kids are 13 and almost 11, and we watched Home Alone for the first time. As an aside, it was also my partner's first time watching the movie, and she's 38. I hate to say it, but for me, it didn't hold up. There was so much lead up and not much that was really entertaining until the end, but even the ending was really quick. I thought that it was longer than it actually was. Um, Crofton, I'll pause right there because I know you were a big, you, you were a big fan of Home Alone and you said it did hold up. So like, what's the deal? Well, here's the deal. First off, I'm completely biased. Uh, I wouldn't listen to me. I I have (laughs) tremendous nostalgia for Home Alone. Like I watched it in theaters a couple of times. I went to see Home Alone 2 in theaters. I was so excited that following year, uh, for my birthday. Um, when I watched it with my daughter this year, she is the age or just a little bit older than Kevin McAllister is in the movie. And she was over the moon of a kid her age, the wording adult. She loved it. I would say when I hear like 11 and 13, I can totally see like they're starting to be the age of buzz and some of the other uh, kids in the movie where, where it's like, I don't know, might not resonate with them to the same um degree i do think the craftsmanship in the movie is good i get the i i get the idea that if it's being sold to you on the on the the traps and all of this then yes that's very much at the end of the movie like it ends with the bang it's kind of a build-up to there is a build-up there to it but it is really about the kid being home alone and there is a lot of like you know him going to the store or him like um, you know, fooling people in different ways. And uh, that is just like for a kid when you're watching it is, is, is really great. I truly do believe that it holds up. But again, I wouldn't listen to me. I'm biased. By the way, Derek, thanks so much for sending this in. We really appreciate it. Yes, we do appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I think uh, it it's kind of funny. Like the kids um, really enjoy Home Alone. Uh, since we talked about it, we've watched the first one a couple times. And I think today we, because the schools are shut down tomorrow, which was technically supposed to be the last day before holidays, um, it's shut down due to uh, an incoming storm, which I really never remember that as a kid. But um, for good reason, it's supposed to be the storm of the, you know, uh, of a a generation. So we'll see. Uh, But um, schools are shut down. So we did like a pizza movie night and, and... I said, we're going to watch a Christmas movie and we watch and I put on Home Alone and the kids were asking to watch Home Alone 7. And I'm like, 
I'm pretty sure there isn't a Home Alone 7, but honestly, I'm afraid to check because I know there are a bunch of sequels. Uh, yeah, that's right. And even Home Alone 2, like which Ryan's notoriously scared of, yes. the um, my kids were like, like, let's watch Home Alone 2. I'm like, no, you don't get to watch Home Alone 2 until you watch Home Alone 1 17 more times. And because I didn't get to just roll over to Home Alone 2. But I, I will say that uh, tomorrow, Ryan, in the wake of the storm, we already talked about it because my wife was a little bit like, like we, I put it on for them and Gwen watched it with me. But she was, my, I, I think my wife was having a nap or something along I was watching the kids at the time and she, she you know, it, it is one of those things. I didn't realize she had such an emotional connection to it as well. And so we're going to watch it as a family tomorrow um, during the snow wind day. Uh, we'll see how long Clara stays with it. But uh, Gwen's already excited. I can make her pop with lines from the movie and she's only seen it once. Oh, nice. I'm, I made my family disappear, you know, <laughs> and uh, she'll she'll immediately start laughing and get a goofy smile on it. So it, well, it definitely go. works. But that's it, Derek. That is, I it is great, to, like, and very interesting to hear like sort of a contrarian's take on uh, on Home Alone and and not holding up because I mean there have been people talk about the violence in it and all this, and it is true, like. There's some bits that are really like you're like, oh, I don't necessarily want my kid to look at this, you know. Um, and it's funny because the heart of the movie is in a good place, but there's it's also got this crazy violence. Yeah, it's uh, like, yeah, I mean, it does. And that was the thing about the traps. Like, I think in terms of like the build up to the traps, I think if you if you know what's happening in the film, like, like the kids are like, when, when do we get to the traps? Cause they've already seen it. And it's like, it's, it's really is like a small portion of the film. As Crofton said, it's like, it's about this kid being home alone. It's less about the traps, but um, that is a big part, part of the film that I remember as a kid. Um, but uh, Derek goes on to talk a little bit more uh, about the holidays, uh, specifically about Santa for the Santa thing. Somehow we've kept my kids still believing in Santa. We're pretty sure that my oldest has an idea, but he hasn't come out and told us outright. Um, like, I think that, that like, it's a tough one. Like, I feel like, uh, you know, the, the, the idea of kids say the darndest thing, like once kids go to school, I'm sure there is that one kid that ruins it for everyone of basically like saying, saying things about Santa. <laughs> I can't even say it out loud. Um, but, uh, yeah, it like I don't even know what like the age is. It's hard to say. Um but uh obviously Croft and I aren't aren't there quite yet, but it's good to know that the magic can hold on for a little a little longer. Derek say saying that like his kid at 11 and 13 his kids are still believing? Yeah. Wow. I mean I feel like that 13 year old was lying to him, but that's, that's, (laughs) Hey man, you get an extra present, right? Like you get an extra present from Santa. Well, this is the deal, right? You've got to, I remember being in this phase and I, you know, I keep telling Jess, we're going to get at least, we're going to at least get a year, if not two of Gwen on this phase, which is the idea. Like you've kind of figured it out, but you don't want to say anything because you don't want to mess with it. Like, like you're just like, okay, like I can't say anything or I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get the gift. And then that eventually hopefully twists into, especially if you have younger siblings where you become part of the team, you know, this, you know, like, okay, you've got to, you've got to keep the magic alive for your sister. Uh, I have no doubt that Gwen will be able to 
to do that. But I was actually like, she's eight. And we went to see Santa in the mall and we did a bunch of stuff. And the wonder, like we got the, we sent on Monday, we sent mail to Santa and we got the mail back today. Um, it was really quick. Like they turned it around big time and uh, God, uh, Clara and Gwen just had magic in their eyes. And Gwen is just, you know, I think she's in the money time and she does look older than she is. So sometimes it's hard to forget that she's, she's so young, but I sort of just felt that like we're on fumes and that even like when she's nine, like next year that it might be tough. There is a kid at school who's already said, you know, it's, it's, not not real and but she's chosen not to believe that kid you know so i mean it it, it will be i'd like obviously as all parents you want it to keep going as long as possible but i'm glad to hear from derek that i it could potentially go to 11 or even 13 again that 13 year old is lying to you derek um uh, but uh <laughs> but like because that's that's really awesome uh um, you know i would love that for for our family yeah for sure um Derek closes out the email. Uh, we've all been playing Pokemon Violet, and it's just fun watching the kids play it. It's my oldest special interest. He could talk your ears off for hours on all things Pokemon. We each have time to play it, and with this generation being open world, it's really interesting to see the different paths that we can all take. As always, I love the show. Keep it up. Derek in Edmonton. So, um, Crofton, you know, it's funny when we talk about video games with the kids. I'm sure both of us will have some video game talk when we get back in the new year uh, with Christmas and you know, all the hints of what video games may be under the tree, uh, specifically Crofton's daughter telling uh, Crofton not to buy specific games because for for no reason at all, just don't buy this specific game. <laughs> I told I'm, that story I'm... to uh, to Ashley and she thought it was hilarious. Um, but that is yeah. such a kid move, but it's it's awesome. I, I think it's, yeah. it's adorable. Uh, me too. I'm, I'm excited. Like I'm, I'm hoping she's the thing that's so cool is I guess she knew what my gift this is this is crazy because it's so unlike how I am as a kid or how most people are. But I think Gwen knew what she wanted to get me in like March and she bought it in like April and has been sitting on it since then. Um, so so like for kids who, who just are desperate to give presents, you know, Clara will get something and need to give it immediately that Gwen has been sitting on my gift for months and months and months, uh, I think is so crazy. Um, and not giving me any, you know, like aside from the, the one thing, uh, not like being pretty good about not giving me, um, any hints. It's just the fact that she, you know, cares and knows what I want, like what I would like and is so excited about it. And it's just so great. So I am excited I am excited for that and I'm excited for Christmas. I hope everybody, all our listeners uh, are going to be having a good Christmas with their, with their families and maybe share some, uh, some, some stories from the battlefield of the present opening, how it goes. I would love to hear some of that stuff. Thanks for the thanks, Derek. Uh, really again, like to all anyone who's considering writing in, we love, we love, messages like this we like taking our time with them and uh and uh yeah please please uh write in yes we do really appreciate all the listener feedback uh whether it's through discord or email uh and you can find a lot of uh all the places where you can send listener feedback at our website tgistudios.com slash dad uh email the show like derek did dad at tgistudios.com 
You can even hit us up on Twitter. You can find me at R. Murphy, Crofton at Crofton Sears, and the show at DNDCast. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening to our second annual Daddy's Award Show. Uh, Crofton, it's always a, a, a pleasure to host these awards alongside you, even though this is only our second time. But I think it went well. Now that we understand, we have to do nominees now. Um, but uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. And uh, Crofton, how do you feel about another Daddy's in the books? I feel good about it. Now we have an annual tradition, Ryan. Traditions are what podcasts are made on or made of, you know, like then, then people are like, Oh, I, I'm looking forward. I look forward to that episode every year. Whenever somebody says that to you, you know, you've done, you've done something good. People will be able to say they look forward to the daddies. And I, I would say to call out for feedback. If anybody has any ideas about new daddy awards or things they want to see for next year or whatever. It's like when Jeff Keeley does his game awards and afterwards he's like, how did it go? Everybody Uh, let me know. And maybe your ideas will be featured next year. And then he just says the same thing next year. Um, Like uh, we also will do that, except we'll actually add categories. And if you have good ideas, we want to hear them. The daddies are only going to get bigger and better from here. You know it. Can't wait to see what 2023 brings for the show. And uh, we look forward to hearing from folks in the new year about all their favorite Dungeons and Diapers moments. That is going to do it for this episode of Dungeons and Diapers, this episode of The Daddies, and for 2022 for the podcast. We'll be back in the new year. Have a great holiday season. Happy New Year. And uh, look forward to more. Dungeons and Diapers in just a couple weeks. Bye, everybody. Ho, ho, ho. Happy New Year. Hey, was that monkey called Real Crofton the whole time? <laughs> just just, just noticed it now. Is the monkey called Real Crofton? <laughs> <laughs> yes. You just noticed that? I did that like a month ago. That's a good payoff right there. <laughs> Oh, we had so much fun.